Scripture. If you were reading with us over this last week in the second half of 2 Kings, one of the things that probably stood out to you was the thing that, I think, Jerry, you mentioned that, was that, that there are so many different kings. And what happens is after King Solomon, who was David's son, after Solomon, the kingdom of Israel gets divided in two, a northern kingdom that is named still Israel and a southern kingdom that's called Judah. And one of the things that's a little bit confusing as you're reading through these things is that it actually will bounce back and forth between the two kingdoms. So to say, this is the king of Israel and talk a bit about him and then talk about the king of Judah and it will go back and forth. And sometimes that can be a little bit difficult to, to follow and I, I, I get that. There's a, there are a lot of names in there. And I wanna say, especially if you're new to faith, that may have been extra confusing, but it was confusing for a lot of us. That's not a problem. The good news is, there's no test, all right? You don't have to remember all the names. We don't have to retain it. And I love it that what we said was some of the themes that I also saw coming out of this, that one of the things, we don't have to remember all the names, but what you see is there is this series of different kings, different leaders, and the same people, but different generations, right? And all of them still have trouble being faithful to God. We, we see this problem, the, these different themes. We, we've seen other themes on things that we've talked about previously, different sermons that we talked about where we said we need to not seek revenge but leave it to God for vengeance is God's, it's not for us. And we talked about the power of God's presence in our lives when they dedicated the temple. Or we, like we talked about last week, we can ask, what are the big questions that are driving our decisions? Because we saw that in the life of the other people. You can listen to those. If you miss those, we have those on our podcast. You can watch online. But what we, what we take away from this bit in 2 Kings right now, the big theme is this question of faithfulness. The, the big thrust of First and Second Kings, the whole kind of reason for the authors to write First and Second Kings was to explain why the people ended up being sent into exile. They, they had actually been kicked out of the land that God had given them, which is interesting that this whole scope of what we've read during these weeks goes from the book of Joshua when the people come into this land that God gave them and then what happens as they are there, eventually ending in 2 Kings where the people are sent into exile. They're taken to Assyria and to Babylon and kicked out of this land. And God says it's specifically because of their faithlessness. And it never was ultimately about one king. There were some good kings in there, some bright spots. There were some really bad kings that were also very dark spots. But what we see is that there's this basic unfaithfulness between God's people and God. That God had always seen this connection with his people. It was supposed to be like a marriage. He says, I'm committed to you. I'm connected with you. I have this covenant with you. And what the story that we see in the pages of scripture is that the, that the people of God were, were unfaithful to God. He says, there is a lot of evidence for why you are being sent into exile. And really the, the passage that really stood out this week is in 2 Kings 17. If you have a Bible, please open that to 2 Kings 17. There are Bibles in the back or you can open your app. 2 Kings 17, it's going to describe, this is God giving his reasons for why he sent his people into exile. And as you turn there, I'm going to pray. Lord, we ask you today, you are the faithful one. 
So we ask you to be faithful to us in this moment and in our lives. May you be faithful to us to, to open our, the, your word to us today so we may understand it and live into it. And we pray that we will count on you to have our eyes on you through our whole lives to be the one who will be the faithful one to us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, let's, let's read this passage from 2 Kings 17. And I'm going to start in verse 5. Then the king of Assyria invaded the entire land, and for three years he besieged the city of Samaria, which was the capital of the northern kingdom of Israel, and um, they fall first. Finally, in the ninth year of King Hosea's reign, Samaria fell, and the people of Israel were exiled to Assyria, that country that you maybe haven't thought about since seventh grade history. They were settled in colonies in Hala along the banks of the Habor River in Gozan and in the cities of the Medes. And then here's the explanation. This disaster came upon the people of Israel because they worshiped other gods. They sinned against the Lord their God who had brought them safely out of Egypt and had rescued them from the power of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. They had followed the practices of the pagan nations the Lord had driven from the land ahead of them, as well as the practices the kings of Israel had introduced. The people of Israel had also secretly done many things that were not pleasing to the Lord their God. They built pagan shrines for themselves in all their towns, from the smallest outpost to the largest walled city. They set up sacred pillars and Asherah poles at the top of every hill and under every tree. And you don't even have to know what all these things are. You're getting the gist. They are not worshiping God. They offered sacrifices on all the hilltops, just like the nations the Lord had driven from the land ahead of them. So the people of Israel had done many evil things, arousing the Lord's anger. Yes, they worshiped idols, despite the Lord's specific and repeated warnings. Again and again, the Lord had sent his prophets and seers to warn both Israel and Judah, both of those kingdoms, turn from all your evil ways, obey my commands and decrees, the entire law that I commanded your ancestors to obey, so that I, and that I gave you through my servants, the prophets. But the Israelites would not listen. They were as stubborn as their ancestors who had refused to believe in the Lord their God. They rejected his decrees and the covenant he made with their ancestors, and they despised all his warnings. Ooh, not good. Uh, but one of the things that we take away from this, from this specific passage, wow, you know what's interesting is that it says very little about the leaders. So even though in the list of names, as we go through 2 Kings, we see this person was evil, this king was evil, did evil in the Lord's sight. What we see is actually, it's, it's not specifically blaming the leaders. God doesn't separate the leaders and the people here. He says, this falls on everyone. Everyone is lumped together. So it was thousands and thousands of small decisions of people who had turned away from God. It led consistently away from God. And so the, the people, everyone from the king on down to the least of the people had neglected their covenant connection with God, who had turned their hearts away from him. And what we've seen is that really the, a, a really good number of people, kind of everybody, seem really bent on worshiping anything but God. And, it's, and God says, I'm not going to let that keep going. So God's people hadn't been faithful. 
There was a remnant of people who were in the land who were faithful. There were people who remained faithful to God. And, and so it's not everybody. But here's the question for us that comes out from this for me is, well, what does it mean then for people to be faithful? If this message was written to the Israelites, was written to God's people, specifically trying to warn them about what had happened during this period, to say for all the people who had come out of the exile, to say, we don't want this to be repeated, Let's be faithful. So for all of these Jewish people who heard this first, we can hear it in the same way to say, what does it mean for us today to be faithful? What does it mean for us to be faithful in our day? Here in 2022, here in Simi Valley or somewhere else if you're watching from somewhere else, no matter what. And the call for the people of Israel is actually the same call for us. And what I take away from this, what we are asked to do by God is that we should worship God only no matter what. We should worship God only no matter what, which seems really simple <laughs> in a way, uh, but that's the whole challenge throughout all of this time, to worship God only no matter what. So let's, let's take those things, and I'm gonna, I didn't do them in order. We're going to do it in a little bit of a different order than worship God only no matter what. We're going to talk about God only we're going to talk about no matter what, and then we're going to talk about worship, okay? God only, first. Jesus himself said that we need to seek first the kingdom of God, that that needs to be our primary heart desire. We should do that. And one of the, one of the big differences between us and the nation of Israel that was set up specifically to be a theocracy where the, it, people were supposed to be led by a king who led them in faith, the, the priests and the king worked together, that it was supposed to be this single nation that followed God's ways. And that's not the way that God set up the church. As the church was set up, it wasn't set up in the same way. So following the exile, there was this remnant of people who remained. And Christian writers throughout the centuries have talked about the church as being a part of that remnant, that we are the growing out of that root. The, the tree that was cut down, and there's this root that grows up, and that we are a part of that remnant. So we are supposed to be committed to God's kingdom above all else, to God only, and the way that early Christians talked about it, how did they, how did they do that when they were living in a place that wasn't specifically uh, set up for them to worship in the temple or do things like that? How did they see living in a place that was secular, but that where they could still be faithful? There's plenty of things that are talked about that, like in the book of Daniel. We're going to get to that at some point. It'll be really great. But I want to hear from the apostle Peter, early Christian leader. He says this, Live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. Live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. He's talking about this, the whole pressure of the world on us. The, there's a world's pressure for us to, to live like we really belong here. But he's saying, no, 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 we, we need to live like we're foreigners. Like this isn't our final home. This isn't the place where we are supposed to stay. And 4th and 5th century thinker Augustine, uh, he picked this up. So St. Augustine of Hippo, he picked up this same theme. He talked about how we need to be committed to citizenship elsewhere. The image he used was of a city. The big city in Augustine's time was Rome. And Rome had actually just fallen to the barbarians. And it was a, it was a big tragedy. People were wondering, what is God, has God left us, kind of? There were a bunch of questions about that. And he wrote this really great book called The City of God. It's very long. And, and he 
compares the city of God, which is like the kingdom of God, to the city of Rome, which is the world. It isn't all bad, but it's, it's worldly power. It's, it's the, the way that the world works. So I've, I've been listening to this. My kids make fun of me. I consistently accidentally say, I'm listening to a book on tape. And they say, Dad, it's not a tape. <laughs> it's on your phone. Okay, you're listening to an audio book, Dad. Okay, sorry, sorry. So in my book on tape, I've been listening <laughs> to... Uh, the city of God, uh, it, is, it is a rough one to listen to. This, is not, uh, this isn't really as uh, engaging as some of the things maybe you could listen to, but it's been really moving. And then I, listened, I heard something this last week that really stuck out, stuck out to me. So here's the quote. It says, The people of Christ, whatever be their condition, whether they be kings, princes, judges, soldiers, or provincials, rich or poor, bond or free, male or female, are all enjoined, we're encouraged to, to endure this earthly republic. We're supposed to endure this earthly republic. That might mean something to you right now. Wicked and dissolute as it is, so that they may, by this endurance, win for themselves an eminent place in that most holy and august assembly. So you win a place in heaven that we, by endurance, are with that heavenly, with the heavenly angels and the republic of heaven, in which the will of God is the law. He says, we're looking forward to the city of God where God's will is the law. We want to be in a place where everybody on earth, God's will is done like it is in heaven. That's what we want. But we live in an earthly city. So our calling now is to be able to, first of all, recognize that those are two different things. And secondly, to, to try to live as citizens of heaven. And that's going to require some endurance. And I love that somebody 1,500 years ago 15 centuries ago, said something that applies to us today. That we, and somebody before him, 500 years before him, said we need to live as foreigners here in reverent fear. So when, if we want to think about worshiping God only, we need to put God in the first place. That we seek first the kingdom of God. We seek first the kingdom of God. So that's what faithfulness looks like. So we, and I think we need to start by just praying for our own hearts in this. We have to recognize that, that our hearts continually get sucked in, drawn into the world's way. That we kind of act like the, the city of this world. And we, we keep doing that. We, we know in our hearts that we are prone to wander. Lord, we feel it. We do that. So may God give us endurance to continue to be in, renewed in our faith, to keep looking to God. That's, that's what the people of God needed throughout the book of Kings. They had these prophets who were telling them, hey, God wants you. And we just needed to, the question was, will our heart go there? So let's, let's pray that we'll have hearts that seek for God only. All right, the second key to faithfulness in this, we worship God only no matter what bit, is that we want to be faithful and, and what I see through this list of kings, and all these different kings, some good, some bad, right? Some very bad, some good. Sometimes there was, before there was no king. Remember during the time of Judges? And even during that time of Judges, we talked about how this woman Ruth and her eventual husband Boaz were faithful people. And, and through all of that, one of the things that has stood out to me is that people were able to be faithful no matter what. And no matter who was in charge, it didn't matter that, it, that they were able to do that. And that allows me to think that I and you can be faithful now, no matter what. 
It was funny. At some point, I, I, I was reading through, and I, I got to another king, and I just thought, what would it be like to have been at that time? What would it have been like to be faithful at that time? Look, like the, the king changes, and like, there's one person that has one personality, and then it changes, and then somebody's got a really different personality. Can you imagine living in a place where your leaders change sometimes, and you don't really know which way is up? And then I was like, wait a minute. This might apply to me. We don't choose when and where we are born. Or sometimes our teenagers remind us of that. But we, we didn't choose that we were going to be born now. But God not only expects, but wants and is rooting for us to be faithful in the time in which we are born, in the situation in which we are born. We, we, we didn't choose this time. And maybe, maybe even sometimes you kind of long and you think, ah, oh, if only I'd been at some other time. I was, I was struck by one of the kings was so happy when he found out, oh, these things are going to happen after you die. And he's like, fine, that's not my problem, right? But, but we, we can be faithful now in our circumstances. We don't get to choose to be some other time, before or after. We have now. So the question is, what does it mean for us to be faithful in this time, in this place? Because the, the people were unfaithful sometimes when there was a, a good king, sometimes when there was a bad king. And through all this, God was calling people to himself. And I want to say, we are not alone in this. Christians throughout history have had very different experiences of what it means to be followers of Jesus in this world. And that's helpful for us. It can encourage us to think that there were Christians who were believers during the time of Nero who was very clearly trying to kill Christians, to do away with them. And there were people who were faithful at that time. There were Christians who were faithful throughout the Middle Ages. There were Christians who were faithful during the tumultuous time of the Reformation, trying to figure out what it meant for them. And, and you know what? Since the youth are staying in here, I will tell you, there were people who were even faithful during the 1980s. And, and there were some strange things that happened at that point. Stranger, even. Thank you. Be here all week, yeah. And, and for us to be able to say, there, there are Christians who are living in really different contexts right now around the world. It's helpful for us to be able to recognize our experience of suburban Christianity in America is not the global norm. The, our experience of what it means to be a Christian is not the global norm. This, the average Christian in the world is not experiencing what we experience. We have way more money than anybody else. We have way more freedom to do whatever we want. There are Christians who are living in poverty, who don't have clean water. Who have to, these are brothers and sisters in Christ who have to walk to be able to get dirty water. There are Christians who are living now in times of war. There are times right now where there are Christians who are living under persecution. And there are people in the world who are living in much more secular societies than we live in. So it's helpful for us to say, but we know that they can be faithful in those contexts. We know and we pray, we want people in those contexts to be faithful. We pray for people under persecution, right? That they can be strong under that. So we, we can't blame whoever is in charge at the time for what happens in the book of Kings because it, it's not the king or the president who ends up deciding one way or the other. In fact, it's interesting. There are kings who make reforms that go 
with what God wants, but the people, the next king after them, the people must have been dying to worship on their hillside or have their idol because it goes right back to it because that's what the people were going for. But I want to say you and I, let's not long for anything else, but let's figure out what does it mean for us to be faithful today in our circumstances with whatever power we've got, what does it mean for me to be faithful? Not complaining, not longing for something else, but just to be faithful, to worship God only, no matter what. All right, last thing. We got to talk about the key to faithfulness is for us to worship God, which might seem kind of like the dumbest point you've ever heard at church. Faithfulness is dependent on worshiping God. Let's pray. Yeah, wonderful. It's, it sounds strange because, of course, you know, worshiping God is, of course, part of it. It's like it's an important bit. But here's the thing that we see in our text something that's crazy is that unfaithfulness and faithfulness kind of have a little momentum. That's what I see in there, that they build on themselves, that there's something in that that builds, and it says something terrible about the people in the second half of verse 15. If you were following in your Bible, you noticed that I stopped in the middle of verse 15. Let's read the second half of verse 15. So 2 Kings 17, 15. They worshipped worthless idols, so they became worthless themselves. Oh, They worshipped worthless idols, so they became worthless themselves. They followed the example of the nations around them, disobeying the Lord's command not to imitate them. One of the messages that we see throughout Scripture about idolatry is that we become what we worship. We become what we worship. It's, it's a theme that can be traced throughout the Bible. In fact, there's a, a writer named G.K. Beale who traced all that. You can read his book about that. And we become what we worship, and he sees this theme, and we can see it in Scripture. I think some of us have witnessed this ourselves. Uh, people who care a lot about money. If, if we care a lot about money, one of the things that happens to us is that we slowly start to make a commodity out of interactions. Uh, we, we maybe put a price tag on on relationships. We, see, we rate people depending on how their bank account is, and we would judge them by that. We end up becoming what we worship. So one of the ways to ensure longer-term faithfulness to God is to actively seek to know God, to, to worship God, to activate those muscles, to, to do that in that way. And, and just in a kind of a funny way, I want to, I want to say as an aside, like, we... This isn't actually my worship service, right? Are we clear about that? Like, this isn't like my party that we put on every week. Like, whether you come or not is not like a vote for me or something like that. <laughs> we, we get, and what's wonderful about this church is that this church did fine when there was no lead pastor here. I think that's a strength, actually, we should remember as part of our history of this church is that our, our church is the people. You've hired me for specific things. But our, we gather together for our own encouragement, for challenge, to be with other people. I, I need to be with other people. And if I, I noticed that in myself during the time in COVID that I felt more disconnected with people, I also felt a little disconnected from God. And I think that part of what we can do if we're wanting to grow or noticing that our faith is a little weak is that one of the ways is we can actually try to be with other believers to try to find ways for us to, to grow in faith together. And, and 
it's funny because we think that we have to be strong in faith in order to do those things, but I think it's the opposite's true. I don't go to the gym because I'm strong. I go because I need to work out a little. So I don't come to church because I've got tons of faith. I go because I need to work out a little. So we, we come to be together because I know that I become what I worship. And if I, and if I don't ever worship God, then I'm not going to be activating that. I'm, I'm going to become something else. And, and here's the thing. We as Christians, what do we worship? Who do we worship? We worship a God who's self-sacrificing. We worship a God who's patient and enduring with people. The Bible tells us that the, the clearest picture, the best revelation we have of who God is, is Jesus Christ himself. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. If, if you don't see Jesus doing it, that's probably not the way that God thinks or acts. Jesus had courage in the face of adversity. He's the one who prayed for his enemies while he was being crucified. If we are worshiping God, if we are truly growing in our faith and worshiping God, we're going to become more like Jesus because we become what we worship. So if we want to, to, to grow, we need to look at him. It's all about what Jesus is like. And that's really the, the ultimate goal for all of us is just to look at him and, and to understand who he is and what that means for our lives. So, so we, we have not arrived. We're not done yet. God's not done with us. It's okay if things are kind of bumpy sometimes for us and our faith. A lot of us have experienced that. But that's the right trajectory. That's the trajectory we should be going on is becoming more like Jesus, to become like him. But if that is not what people see in us, if, if people around us don't see that, the people who know us and love us, they say, you know what, you, I don't think that you're becoming more like Jesus like that. I'm not saying, like, is it ever bumpy? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, is your trajectory that way? I think that people are right to ask the question, what is it that we're worshiping? Because if we're not becoming like Jesus, then maybe we're worshiping something else. And that is scary, but that might be a wake-up call for us too. If we are becoming more angry, if we are becoming more insensitive to other people, if we, if we just are content with trite answers to anything, and we just want happy, happy, love, 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 whatever those things are, then that's, that's not what Jesus looks like. So as Christians, we can move toward God. We want to be removing our idols in our life to get rid of the things that we are relying on if we rely on anything else, because we become what we worship. So we need to, we need to look to find those things. I, I know people of other faiths who have become followers of Jesus who have literally taken idols out of their house, but maybe those things aren't really obvious to us. There are things that we just kind of swallow without necessarily thinking about it. We, we swim in this, in this sea of culture, and we don't always realize the things that we, that we have. It would be easy for somebody from another culture maybe to see it, to see how consumeristic we are, to see that we... It, sometimes we're committed to our nation over God. It's supposed to be a nation under God, right? Um, uh, my kids say that every day. Do they? Is that okay? Uh, but you know, it would be easier to see that in somebody else. You know, in Egypt, 
If people were like, yeah, Egypt first, before God, and you're like, no, no, that's not right, you know, whatever. We, we, we sometimes are committed more to our financial success than God, or just our comfort, maybe. Maybe in our culture, we, we are really individualistic. We don't, we don't see it. We don't see it. I, I don't even really, I, I'm American too, I don't totally know what the other option is. How do we do this in a way that is still God-honoring? But the, in our passage, the people were condemned for acting like all the other nations. And that doesn't mean like just all the other countries in the world, that we shouldn't think that way. What we're thinking is of the city of God versus the city of people. And we don't want to act like just the world. We want to be godly people. So are we, are we more patient than other people? Do we, does our heart yearn for mercy for others? Are we, are we more generous than others? I, those are questions that we have to ask. Are we becoming like that? Because we become what we worship. So the things that we take away from this, I, I have loved, I have loved us reading through Kings and, and Judges and Joshua, all of this stuff. What we take away from Second Kings is that we need to worship God no matter what. And we can do that. The wonderful thing is that God tells us we are able to do that. That's, that's really the thing. So we need to keep our focus on Jesus. That's going to be the one that's going to roll down into everything else. So we keep our eyes on him. It's not a program. It's not going to be any political thing. It's not going to be any self-help theory. That's not what's going to shape us as much as being focused on Christ. So our expectation is if we focus on him, we're going to become like him, right? And we can ask him to give us endurance so that we can continue on no matter what circumstances might be thrown at us and to continue to do that, to longing for our true home, our true home in heaven with God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the example of people who have come before us, even for the humility of knowing that things didn't work out always, that they weren't faithful. I'm, I'm not always faithful, but we worship you, the faithful God, we worship you, the one who gave your life for us. May we live in the power of the Spirit, always looking to you. Can we worship you always, no matter what? May that be true of us on into the future, in the future generations, God. We pray for faithfulness. We pray for all of the churches here in Simi Valley. God, thank you that we are, we've got lots of other brothers and sisters in this city who also want to know and love you. We pray that they will be faithful to you no matter what. We pray in Christ's name, amen.